0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. Today is going to be my fourth episode on the topic of race, a conversation on race. And this one is what I'm calling a timely accountability check for allies. So, this is really geared towards those of you listeners who consider yourself to be an ally in the fight against systemic racism. And that is who I am gearing this podcast episode towards. Of course, I'm sure that this would be interesting for many people, including parents who are people of color, to listen in and understand maybe a bit of perspective that I am sharing today on the podcast. But like I said, the intended audience for this particular episode would be people who consider themselves to be allies. So like I said, this is my fourth episode on the topic of race. The previous episodes that recorded were episode number 34, talking to our kids about race, racism, and privilege. And then I did uh, episode number 40, conversations about race, a black mother's perspective. And then also episode number 44, Conversations about race, books as windows and mirrors. In those last two episodes, number 40 and 44, I was joined by guests who shared really valuable insights and perspectives from their point of view. So I encourage you, if you've not listened to those podcast episodes, to maybe look them up, find them, listen to them. There may be some helpful insight and information to use as background or more ideas of things you can do with your family to become an anti-racist family or to really continue to engage in your intention to be an ally. So here I am on the eve of February. It is January 31st. Tomorrow is February 1st, which also happens to be, of course, Black History Month. By the time this episode is released, It will already be a week into Black History Month. So I thought that this would be a great opportunity for me to provide my listeners with maybe some inspiration. And initially, my intention was to create a list or a suggestion of things you could do to celebrate Black history as a family, or to um, basically find ways that you can put a, a focus on highlighting the stories and voices of Black people in our country. And so that was my initial plan. And as I was setting out to record this episode and kind of compile my list for my listeners and give those ideas, I went on a bit of a journey a bit of a journey of discovery and a bit of a journey to kind of shift my original intent with this episode towards what I have ultimately come up with and planned for you today. So it's a bit of a journey. It's a little bit of a deep dive into understanding not only Black history and why we have Black History Month and how it came to be, but also some different perspectives on the feelings behind Black history from different people who are educators about Black history. So that is where we're going to go today. My hope that you as a listener, as you who somebody who is interested in continuing to be and build and lead your family as anti-racists, as allies, that you will come along with an open mind and not one that is going to jump into maybe thoughts of defensiveness, but rather just listen and learn as I have done as I've been researching and reading and learning and kind of going through resources preparing for this episode. So, one of the first, re- the first resource that I went to when I was planning this episode was what has come to be one of my favorite podcasts, which is called first name basis podcast, which is hosted by Jasmine Bradshaw. And I know I've mentioned that and shared that podcast before as a resource. Um, This is a really helpful and insightful podcast, which is dedicated to helping families navigate topics related to race, culture and religion. And there is just so much of a wealth of perspective and information to glean from that podcast. and I really encourage you to follow that podcast. Listen to that podcast. Start at the very beginning. There's a great amount of information just on racism and why we have racism. And two, real practical um, and helpful information navigating those topics with your families. So I went to an episode from season two, episode five, called A Conversation with My Dad About Black History Month. And I thought, okay, this is the one that's going to really help me prepare for this episode. And one of the things that Jasmine shared on that episode at the very beginning was that Black history is American history and should be talked about and read about and taught all year long. And February is just a special celebration of Black history. So that's um, the perspective that she shared. And this year, she's offering people who are interested what she's called bite-sized Black history, which is 12 installments of information for families to investigate together with their children, 12 lesser-known Black historical figures. And activities and coloring pages and things of that nature to go through as a family. I sign myself up and my family up, and I've included a link in my show notes if that's something that sounds of interest to you and your family. So, again, like I said, my original intent for this podcast was to come up with ideas and a list of things that families can do. And that was the first thing that I found and intended to share on this episode. And I'm doing so right now. However, that is the only resource that I'm going to be sharing of that kind on this podcast. And that's because of my next couple of resources that I'm now going to share. The second, in my quest to find out just a bit more of the history behind Black History Month, I came up across some very different perspectives on Black History Month. And the next resource that I dove into was from a professor of sociology and Africana studies at the University of Cincinnati. The professor is Dr. Derek R. Brooms, and he wrote an article. And again, I've included um, the entire article in my show notes. If you want to read the whole article for yourself and get the entire perspective shared, his article was entitled, Is Black History Month a Racist Celebration? This professor thinks so, and you might agree. So just from that title alone, you might get an idea about this particular professor's perspective on Black history. I'm going to now read you a few snippets from this article because his words and his explanation of his perspective is very interesting and challenging and really helped me learn from his perspective. And I thought best to share that in his own words with you, the listener. So these are direct quotes. Again, it's not his entire article, just some quotes that I pulled from the article to help you understand this particular perspective and why he believes that Black History Month is actually white supremacy in action. It's his perspective that White Supremacy and Black History Month, that White Supremacy is reinforced in Black History Month, because Black history is American history and should be integrated into American history. And so I'm going to go ahead and, like I said, read some quotes from this article. Quote, Black history is an odd celebration. It is essentially a retelling of the past that is limited to one month of the year, which in fact only continues legacies of denial and denigration of Black life and Black contributions. In the article, he goes on to say, Black history is the celebration of Blacks in history. Why then are we relegated to praising our achievements for just 28 to 30 days a year? In too many instances, K through 12 teachers and administrators integrate variations of Black history into their curriculum for just a month. Our history is richer, deeper, more introspective, more valiant, and more debonair than the pithy blurbs include on posters hung in your child's school. The need for teaching and learning black history is more relevant today than it has ever been, and, more importantly, it is time we let go of this pattern of marginalizing these lessons into a singular month. Black History Month should be a way to highlight and identify the manifold contributions that we have made to this country. Still, as others have argued, black history must be taught, celebrated, and appreciated each and every day knowing that the appraisal of a people's history is intrinsically connected to how they are valued or not in the overall wider society. Those quotes and the entire article, I think, really shed a light on a really important perspective. That the practice of saying, oh, we're going to have Black History Month, and we're going to celebrate the achievements in the history of Black people in our country, and then saying, okay, now we can move on and go back to the default history, which is history from a white person's perspective, history that marginalizes the voices of people other than people from the dominant white culture. And so that perspective, I feel, is really helpful in understanding perspectives from people, not all people. Again, bringing back to the forefront something that I continue to recognize, you can't take one person's perspective and consider it the perspectives of all people. However, this Black professor is bringing a really important perspective in terms of how he views Black history. And I think it's something worth thinking about, digesting, and challenging your perspectives, particularly as a white ally. Now, the next resource that I came across this one was one that helped me understand the history behind the creation of Black History Month, why we have Black History Month, when it was started, and kind of how it came to be. And I found that in an article on Teen Vogue. And it was written by Jen M. Jackson. And this article was entitled, Black History Month Isn't Racist, It's a Form of Reparations. When she says Black History Month isn't racist, because I'm not going to share as much of her article here right now, she's referring to pushback that she's heard, in particular from white people who think that having black history is racist against white people. Why do we have Black history? Why don't we have White history? Or why don't we just have American History Month? To me, that argument reminds me a bit of why Black Lives Matter came to be as a movement and why All Lives Matter is a highly racist statement, (laughs) saying Black history um, is racist against white people. If that's a feeling that you have, you're probably pretty far away from the journey that I am on personally. And the um, folks that this particular episode is geared towards, those who are along on the journey of considering themselves to be an ally, who don't feel offended by things like Black Lives Matter As a statement, they don't see that as attack against white people. So, if that is you and you're feeling still really challenged by that, probably this entire episode is um, challenging for you in many different ways, and might be um, helpful to maybe go back to those earlier episodes that I mentioned in terms of things that I've already covered on my podcast. So, back to this particular article, I first learned through this article a bit more about the history of Black History Month. So originally, historian Dr. Carter G. Woodson founded what he called Negro History Week, and this was back in 1926, and it was meant to honor and highlight contributions that Black Americans have made to our country. And he chose February and a week in February because it coincided with the birthdays of both Frederick Douglass and also Abraham Lincoln. So that helped me understand why February, and I understand the frustration when people are like, "Oh, great, the shortest month of the of the uh, entire year is, is the uh, the month that was chosen," and maybe feeling like there is a reason, and that's even further marginalization and less days to even celebrate the contributions of Black people in our country. However, understanding why why February and that it was originally a week, and it wasn't until 1976 when President Ford officially recognized and created Black History Month and extended what was originally just a week to the entire month of February. So still there is pushback, there is challenge, there's challenge from many different places about recognizing Black History Month. From Jackson's article and her perspective, and you'll read that if you decide to read the entire article, um, she's calling attention and she is saying that Black History Month is calling attention and elevating the voices of Black people and their histories which have been marginalized and some people and some of the pushback against Black History Month refers to feeling like calling attention to racial differences is not going to help in the goal of continuing to feel a sense of divide between Americans based upon race. So calling attention to racial differences, there is some pushback feeling like that is not the right thing to do, and that's keeping us from being able to make progress. So Jackson's article kind of addresses that, and this is a quote from her article. Those differences essentially constitute the American way of life, that Black Americans have a month set aside to honor them outside of a white lens that has often framed them as criminal, negligent, or unworthy of historical referent isn't racist against anyone. It's a form of reparations. We live in a world where, as late as 2015, an American textbook described the Atlantic slave trade as bringing, quote, millions of workers from Africa to the southern United States to work on agricultural plantations, end quote. Those are myths we are told as children. American history, past and present, is rooted in white supremacy and as Black Americans endure daily reminders that racial equality has not yet been achieved, we must embrace disruptive acts like celebrating those who are too often erased, even if it is just for 28 days. So that's the end of the quote from the article that I'm going to share here but I think that brings another perspective really worth thinking about when you are thinking about why we have Black History Month. And from this perspective, Jackson is saying, or what I get from this article is that, yes, it's unfortunate that we have to set aside a month. It's unfortunate that This is where we are right now, that there are still myths that are being told in the classroom, in our history books, that there still is a tremendous amount of whitewashing going on as history is being taught to children. And those of us who were taught these myths and grew up believing one version of American history, only to now be discovering in Many different ways that so much of what we've been taught was lies, or so much of what we were taught was partial truths. And we were not taught other voices, other perspectives. Those were mar- marginalized and only taught once a month, or only taught during a very small chapter in our history books. And so, right now, having a month to basically say, okay, Our books, our histories, what we're being taught are still not equitable. We're still not integrating and seeing the voices of Black people, of Latinx people, of Asian American people, of Indigenous people. We're not still recognizing those as American voices, American histories. They're not fully integrated Equally integrated and equally valued in the history that is still being taught. The fact that we still have to have studies at the university level in Black history and african studies, that there still have to be separate courses of study, and that people who choose to um, follow that path and that course of study are questioned about the value of degrees in those areas that's all evidence of how far we still have to come so could we view black history as kind of like a necessary part uh, and a representative part of where we are right now and how far we have to come and so it's a piece of as jackson says reparations it's a part of equity until we've achieved equality. So again, another perspective, a challenging perspective, but also one that I find great value and wanted to share with you because it is helpful and it's also bringing along on the journey that I took in bringing this episode to you. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. So after reading these episodes and exploring these resources, I sat with these opinions and I asked myself some questions like, okay, so is Black History Month racist? Is it a product of white supremacy? Is it part of the problem? or is it somewhere in between something that maybe shouldn't be needed right now but is as we continue to work to remove myths from our history as we continue to identify and remove the whitewashing of American history as we continue to elevate and include black history and indigenous history and Latinx history and Asian American history into American history because All of this is American history. So where did this deep dive, where did these questions, where did preparing for this episode leave me? Where is that list of ideas and activities to celebrate Black history with your family? Would that have been a better choice for this episode? For me, I think it would have been the easier choice, but I decided it was not the right choice. And I'm sorry if that's disappointing and frustrating, but I decided that what I wanted to provide for you, my listeners, was something different. And there was kind of a a sort of um, aha moment that I've had many times in my own journey to understand my part and how I want to identify my role as an ally, as someone who is actively engaged in my community in anti-racist work, I decided not to provide a list because I felt like that would be encouraging something that has become problematic in allyship, which is performative allyship, performative participation in anti-racism and a mentality that, okay, I, I just need to check these boxes off and then I'll feel good that I'm doing my part and that I am participating and then I can move on. I believe that providing that check the box list, things, providing ideas for my listeners like this month, perhaps considering um, attending a black church service, you know, virtually, of course, because everything is online right now. Or most things are online. Visit an African American museum again virtually. Attend local Black History events. You know, listen to the music that uh, came from movements in uh, Black music, in terms and contributions to our country. I felt like providing those types of ideas and checklist approach would be encouraging white families and families who consider themselves to be allies to. Check a box and whether consciously or subconsciously say to themselves, okay, yay, us white family, we did our part. We took a moment to focus on black history, black culture. And um, now we can go back and rest in our comfy white privileged world where we have the luxury of not having to think about our race, where we don't have to code switch when we're in the company of people from a dominant culture. Where we don't have to consciously work to fit into the expectations of a dominant oppressive culture, where we don't have to experience rarely ever hearing the histories of people that look like us, where we don't have to rarely, if ever, hear stories that represent people that look like us or have similar experiences. We can just move on and not have to think about these things. I worry that providing a checklist of activities would be perpetuating white supremacy. Something I read on the most recent Martin Luther King Jr. Day came from racial justice educator Rachel Ricketts, and she states, in order to make lasting collective change, people have to understand that anti-racism is more than a reading list. It's a spiritual awakening. I felt like providing a checklist for my listeners would be kind of similar to people who are approaching involvement in anti-racism as a reading list. Okay, I'll read these books. And then I will have done my part and I can move on. I want to encourage my listeners to take a deeper, more introspective accountability check and a bit of a pause and ask themselves if they themselves are having a type of spiritual awakening within themselves as it comes to their part and their participation in systemic racism. So ask yourself, are you stuck in checking the box? Are you stuck in a reading list approach and not doing that internal spiritual level work that will lead you to incorporating anti-racism action into your everyday consciousness and therefore help you lead your family towards true and sustainable allyship with people of color in your communities and beyond. Ask yourself, this summer, did you feel called to action to do the work, to join in perhaps some protests or marches? And have you since maybe lost focus and lost energy? Maybe you've been kind of overwhelmed by distractions and other things going in your life that are really taking the forefront. And that's kind of distracted you from this mission or this intention that you had in this energy maybe over um, this summer. And it's been kind of in the back of your mind until maybe the most recent act of racism is in the news or on social media or taking place at our capital. Could you be an ally that's stuck in a cycle of inaction. A cycle of inaction. That is a, a phrase that I was introduced to by an artist and activist named Danielle Koch. And she has a website called ohhappydanny.com. And she has an Instagram account, which I follow, called oh Happy Danny. And she um, makes just incredible works of art that are very inspiring, but also filled with truth and perspective that is really, really incredible when you have this intention to be an ally. And most recently, she had a, a post on her Instagram account that identified what she referred to as the cycle of inaction. The cycle of inaction is this. There is a horrific injustice, and that leads one to a state of shock and confusion, which leads one to an emotional response to that horrific injustice, and that leads to performative allyship, which leads to guilt and fatigue, which leads to inaction and passivity, and that leads to apathy, until the next horrific injustice. So this cycle of inaction and seeing this identified and recognizing if you're stuck in that, I personally was stuck in this place as recently as the events prior to the summer and the shock and horrific injustice witnessed by all of us at the murder of George Floyd. That is a cycle that I have since been able to get out of personally, but maybe you're still stuck in there. Maybe this is speaking to you now. Danielle followed up that image with another image and another graphic that she called the cycle of action and she took that original image and she kind of crossed things out and she added onto that and she included the following post and this was something that she did um the day following or within a day or two of following the attacks on the Capitol. here's her post in her quote i'm struggling to draw much of anything or put many words together But this is what I see in my head. If you think of yourself as an ally, this was written for you. I feel like many of you are caught in a cycle of inaction and it's time to change it. Black people and people of color, please take care. Racial trauma is both real and prevalent. White supremacist domestic terrorism cannot win. We have hope. When horrific injustice takes place, we won't be overtaken by shock and confusion as it is the fruit of systemic oppression is surprising. Our emotional response will be marked by empathy and compassion, leading to a rejection of performative allyship in exchange for the real vigorous work. And should guilt and fatigue try to settle in, we'll recenter the needs of those yearning for liberation, remembering that inaction and passivity are detrimental to justice and that apathy is the antithesis of unconditional love. Such a powerful message, so helpful in identifying something that is really problematic for a lot of us who consider ourselves to be allies, recognizing that even though you have this wonderful intention and you hate seeing incredible injustice, You may be stuck in a cycle, which is not helpful. And I fear, and I know I'm not alone in a fear, that now that we have a new president and vice president, now that there's been a change and a shift in both houses, that there is um, perhaps an invitation or a sense uh, for allies to be like, okay, great, we've got this. We did our work and look, there's been all this change. Now I can basically go back and focus on other things and continue to not be active. Nope, it's time now. We cannot rest. We need to identify if we're stuck in a cycle of inaction and make the change. So like I said, I used to be stuck in a cycle of inaction myself, and I since have moved to a cycle of action Um, However, I have encountered something else, and this may also be you. Perhaps you are very actively engaged in your family, in your communities, in being an activist, in being an anti-racist, in involvement in anti-racist work. But perhaps you've now encountered something else, which is something I've encountered, which is emotional fatigue and a sense of kind of burnout at times. Um, That uh, has not caused me to return to a state of inaction and passivity, but it has caused me at times to recognize that I'm feeling a bit of burnout and to take a break, to recharge, re-energize so that I can stay active, that I don't return to inactivity, and I can stay engaged and active in anti-racist work. Activist burnout and social justice burnout is a real thing. It is natural. It is normal. It is human to feel emotionally exhausted doing this work, feel frustrated by maybe a lack of engagement from people who enjoy tremendous privilege by feeling overwhelmed by the size and how pervasive problems of racism are in our country by recognizing that um, we're just a single person and that we cannot... Alone, be what's going to put an end to racism. And wondering and questioning, can I even make an impact? And feeling like, gosh, you know, why am I even doing this? Maybe, maybe it's not worth it, or maybe I can't make an impact. It's normal and natural and human to have those feelings, but it's also important to recognize them and take care of yourself and perhaps take a break. That is fine. That is healthy. That is something that I've allowed myself to do so that I can continue and stay energized in this work. Stepping aside is helpful, ultimately. Stepping away and returning to inaction is not helpful. So here's my suggestion for you and your family. I don't have an answer. You are in your own personal journeys. You can identify where you and your family are in terms of your journey to be an active, family who are anti-racist and true allies, my suggestion is to maybe take a look and at where you are and make choices based on that. For my family, I do plan on um, participating in the bite-sized Black history that um, Jasmine from First Name Basis has put together and use those with my children to kind of highlight his voices that are maybe not um, ones that they are encountering in history and what they're being exposed to at school on a regular basis. And that is something I plan to do this month during Black History Month with my youngest two children who are ages six and eight. I also plan with my older kids, ages 14 and 16, to continue engaging in conversations and to talk to them about the cycle of inaction versus the cycle of action that I just mentioned. And that's something I want to talk about with them and and help them to identify because they both are very engaged and very much want to be active anti-racists. And I encourage you, my listeners and fellow allies to use this month as maybe a wake up call. If you've lost your focus, remember that our children are watching and you are setting an example for your children. And if the message they are picking up from you and from their school and their communities and society at large is still reinforcing white supremacy and upholding systemic racism, and you're not actively addressing this within your families or actively fighting to disrupt the system and setting that example for your families, you are not keeping up a commitment to be a true ally and raise an anti-racist family. We all can do better. We all can do more. So use this month to make a renewed commitment and continue to grow as leaders of your family to be anti-racist and set an example of what an anti-racist family looks like. I know I have said a lot and probably challenged you a lot. I've included uh, the sources that I mentioned on this podcast in my show notes. And I hope this Black History Month is one that you perhaps look at through a new lens after listening to this episode and i hope you join me again on my next episode of the 3d parent podcast take care thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3d parent podcast i hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the 3D parent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D parent podcast.